The U.S. dollar, as everyone knows, a number of years ago was linked to gold, and people believed that little piece of paper because it was backed 100% by gold. People can also believe cryptocurrency in the case of the e-renminbi because it is backed by the renminbi. And in the case of what we're trying to do here in Taiwan, which is entirely backed by the NT dollar, it is also a cryptocurrency, but it has a basis in real value, unlike some of the other cryptocurrencies you see. So from that perspective, I think the future is cryptocurrency, and I believe the stablecoin in particular is going to help us make that leap forward. This is Startup Island Taiwan. Everything about Taiwan and cutting-edge technology, startup unicorns, and connections to the world. Hello, and welcome back to Startup Island Taiwan. I'm your host, Jeremy Olivier. Today, I'm excited to get the chance to speak with a couple of hot commodities in the Taiwan startup scene. First, we have Leo Seewald, who's a director of MyCoin, the island's largest cryptocurrency exchange, and a man who's worn many hats throughout his more than 20 years living and working in Taiwan and East Asia. Canadian native and naturalized Taiwanese citizen, Leo is also deeply steeped in the world of Taiwanese business and finance. From 2006 to 2016, he held several leadership roles at both the Hong Kong and Taiwan branches of Manulife Financial. After leading Manulife, he went on to work for leading multinational investment firm BlackRock's Taiwan office, serving as its chairman and country head until his departure in 2019. A well-known fixture of Taiwan's international business community, Leo also served as chairman and later president of the American Chamber of Commerce in Taiwan, where for a period he was my boss. Given his background in traditional finance, his foray into the world of crypto was kind of unexpected to say the least. However, Leo and his partners at MyCoin are working now to launch Taiwan's first stablecoin, the Taiwan Digital Currency, or TWDC. This one-to-one new Taiwan dollar-backed stablecoin, they say, will be a safe and secure means of conducting transactions in Taiwan. More importantly, they hope its promulgation will create an ecosystem capable of fostering greater democratization and decentralization of wealth in Taiwan and beyond. Joining Leo in the studio is Akio Tanaka, the co-founder and managing partner at Headline, an early-stage venture capital fund that focuses on consumer internet companies in Asia, and it's also an investor in MyCoin. Akio first began building up his credentials as a venture capitalist while working for Adobe, where he headed up company's venture investment program for Asia and was instrumental in the international software giant's investment in Taiwanese music streaming platform KKBox. He was also a partner at the crypto division of one of Headline's predecessor firms, Infinity Ventures, making him uniquely well-versed in this area. Leo, Akio, very happy to get you both in here on the same day. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Likewise, happy to join you guys here. So I first want to start off by asking Leo, you know, what made you decide to transition from an extensive career in the traditional banking and finance sector to this Wild West world of crypto? Yeah, I do think it is the Wild West at the time being, and the markets are really reflecting that in some way. Um, If you know me personally, you'd know I'm probably one of the most unlikely candidates to be involved in this business sector. I don't have any social media of any kind. How's that possible? I've just avoided it. And and not, not because I have anything to hide. I just like the traditional ways. Do you have friends? I do. They call me the old-fashioned way. That's I, I call you, too. That's true. Yes, we are connected on the phone. That's right. <laughs> and texting, which is uh, very revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but, you know, when I look at cryptocurrency, I really do believe it is the future. And that doesn't mean Bitcoin or anything like that is the future, but the trend towards blockchain-linked currencies is definitely the future. And the clearest example of that for me is the People's Republic of China with their e-renminbi. When China started adopting that, they are in many ways uh, conservative in their approach to technology. And when you see them adopting that, you can see that they also see 
the tremendous benefit of that. I believe that China is trying to use cryptocurrency to make the renminbi a more important settlement currency globally. And when you look at their Belt and Road Initiative, they can see that using cryptocurrency in a lot of the countries on the Belt and Road that have underdeveloped banking systems, they can see that this e-renminbi will replace the local currencies in some of these African nations or uh, in some of the other areas that are particularly underserviced in the banking sector. And these people in those countries will probably start using a wallet on their cell phone and in the cloud using renminbi. And I think that that is a trend that you see going forward. And because of that, I also think stablecoin in particular is that link between the current banking system and the future banking system. It is particularly stablecoin that will make that jump. If I can just give another example, if you go back 100, 200 years ago, gold was the thing that was the anchor that provided the value for when we went to paper currency. The US dollar, as everyone knows, a number of years ago was linked to gold and people believed that little piece of paper because it was backed 100% by gold. People can also believe cryptocurrency in the case of the e-renminbi because it is backed by the renminbi. And in the case of what we're trying to do here in Taiwan, which is entirely backed by the NT dollar, it is also a cryptocurrency, but it has a basis in real value unlike some of the other cryptocurrencies you see. So from that perspective, I think the future is cryptocurrency, and I believe the stablecoin in particular is going to help us make that leap forward. Great. So as we've been talking, I, you know, I've thought more and more about you know, how crypto in Taiwan, there hasn't been much of a foothold that's been gained here yet. Not in the way that it has in other Asian finance hubs like Singapore and Japan. You know, I was reading like yesterday that even Hong Kong is looking at rolling back some of its you know, regulations, very strict regulations on crypto, which kind of distinguishes it from China, where, you know, cryptocurrency as an investment vehicle has already been more or less banned, right? So Other than e-renminbi, which is issued by the central bank. I actually do want to get back to e-renminbi in a minute because, you know, I, I understand there are positive use cases for it. But then there's the other side of the argument made that it could also be used for greater control of China's internal population. I don't know if you have much to say on that, but... Um, you know, in terms of Taiwan and cryptocurrency, you know, Akio, could you maybe jump in here with some thoughts on why Taiwan is really yet to catch up in this regard? Sure. First of all, I actually have a slightly more optimistic view on Taiwan from what was just presented. And if you compare to Singapore, I believe Taiwan actually has a larger pool of, for example, blockchain talent, especially in our engineering community. National Taiwan University has an amazing uh, blockchain program uh, led by Professor Liao. And his students, many of them actually ended up uh, founding many of the crypto-related companies in Taiwan, and which, of course, is invested by our fund. So we think there is actually local developer ecosystem, which is very strong. And also Ethereum Foundation actually has a base here in Taipei, which is also very unique. But going back to your point, there are definitely areas of weakness. So what has some of the jurisdictions like Singapore and, and actually increasingly Dubai, they have actually done more active encouragement for uh, international players to come establish their bases there for providing various uh, crypto-related licenses. Now, does Taiwan lack those? Well, not 100%. Look, um, our portfolio and uh, my coin where Leo is a director of, that company has been operating legally in Taiwan for years. So it's not like we have a lack of regulation. We do have some regulatory environment. But what we haven't had done is actually more active promotion of Taiwan as such a destination. So government has been, in my view, they've been tolerant of those developments, but they've never been 
openly wooing international community to Taiwan for such a destination. So that's maybe an area that can be improved. But also, I think there's overall slow development in the whole digital payment space in Taiwan. If you look at same space, even in places like Hong Kong, Singapore that got mentioned, they're far more advanced. And uh, uh, one of the things I actually found very interesting in some of the jurisdictions that like Taiwan has had yo-yo card for a long time, but it still cannot be, for example, added to Apple Pay directly, which is not the case in places like Hong Kong and Japan. And I think places like London and Singapore is going one step further, allowing those payment costs to directly enter their transit system. Those are little things that actually affects everyday life. But I think when Taiwan is slow in those regards, uh, including digital payment, I think it is impacting the overall development of this infrastructure. And uh, because I'm now based in Taiwan, I have personally experienced the local payment scene, and it really sucks. Yeah, so much of it's still cash-based. I also want to jump in a little bit, but I want to take a step back. I'm also optimistic about Taiwan. But what you have to realize in, in all jurisdictions in the beginning, there was no real uh, regulation governing crypto. And the minute you have money involved in something, real money, you know, the regulators start to get worried because people can lose their livelihoods, people can uh, be scammed. And you've seen a lot of that. Uh, you've seen that. And, and that's really, in some ways, damaged the reputation of cryptocurrency. Mm. I really don't like to see that. In most jurisdictions, I think even in Japan, but in Taiwan for sure, cryptocurrency was classified as a commodity. It's not really classified as a currency or a means of exchange in that sense. And that means that we have a bit of a vacuum here in Taiwan as far as the regulation goes because commodities aren't quite as regulated the way currencies are. And it's not clear whether that falls under the central bank's jurisdiction, whether that falls under Audrey Tang's uh, digital ministry, or whether that falls under the traditional FSC jurisdiction. So I think the government in Taiwan is kind of sorting out who that falls under. And that's kind of made it a little challenging for us to get our Taiwan dollar launched because we've worked with all of those ministries. We've kept them advised. But we also know that they're starting to have some concerns about that. When we met with the deputy governor general of the central bank, he was quite clear in saying that Taiwan would most likely follow the U.S. direction in terms of cryptocurrency. And what you see in the U.S. and in Japan even more clearly is that the governments are starting, the regulators are starting to build frameworks, legal frameworks around cryptocurrency to protect investors and to make sure that that cryptocurrency doesn't stabilize the traditional financial system. And that's something we at MyCoin really believe in. We do want to be a proper regulation, a proper framework around it. We don't want to see people lose money. Uh, what, what happened with Luna to me is terrible. I think that guy should go to jail. I think he's headed that way anyway. That's just a scam. And that doesn't help the progress of cryptocurrency. So both of you and your answers, you touched on two things that I wanted to bring up in today's discussion. So let's stay on the topic of regulations. You know, you mentioned that Taiwan has traditionally treated cryptocurrency as a commodity. I understand that there are security token regulations here in Taiwan. And I remember at one point there were some organizational bodies uh, made up of private industry players that were looking to like maybe self-regulate themselves. So can you go into a little bit more detail on what the regulatory system for cryptocurrency is in Taiwan and what would you like to see more of? So the current structure is that as far as we can see, the only regulation applying for us to launch a stablecoin at this time is AML, anti-money laundering, KYC, know your client type of regulation. And that ensures you're not taking in dirty money, you're not taking in terrorist money, you know who your client is. 
And I agree that is very, very fundamental. In fact, in all financial industries, whether you're a bank, whether you're an asset management company, where I came from, that's kind of the most basic premise. And that applies to us right now. So we went to apply for an AML KYC certification from the FSC much earlier this year, and we're still waiting for that. And that's kind of the thing that's holding us back right now. And MyCoin itself was the first crypto exchange in Taiwan to be able to receive that. So you can see from our perspective, from MyCoin's perspective, we definitely want to make sure that we tick all the boxes when we do that. Other than that, there's no real rules. And when we were looking at structuring the Taiwan dollar stablecoin, we were also looking at a way of doing it that's more akin to a um, shopping center card where you have a loyalty card that you collect money on, like a Mitsukoshi card or something like that where you have stored value on it. If you do that in Taiwan, you kind of get in the area of the Ministry of Economic Affairs rather than any other ministry, whether financial or whether central bank. So we kind of shied away from that approach because we don't think that that's really what a cryptocurrency, a stablecoin is. It's not really a stored value the way that kind of card. If I recall, Akio, I think the Japan example uses that type of approach, right? Correct. And I can actually talk to you guys about what's happening in Japan. So there's some similarity. I think Japan has uh, regarded cryptocurrency. So for the most part, it is regarded as commodity. But however, Japan this year actually issued the first government's opinion on how they're going to regulate stablecoin, I believe, which is the first in the world. So I'm quite surprised that Japan is often seen as a backward nation when it comes to those kind of new technologies. But crypto is one area that actually Japan has been quite forward looking. So what we have seen this year as part of the earlier announcement, uh, by the way, the laws are not in effect yet. It's probably going to come into effect sometime next year. But what has been announced so far is that Japan is going to regulate stable currency as stable coins. But they have their definitions. First of all, in Japan, stable coins are not treated as cryptocurrency, so it is not considered commodity. So stable coins is uses a different form, but it's actually applying to existing financial concepts that existed in Japan. One was just like the Mitsukoshi card you mentioned. It's like a prepaid gift card. So one of the portfolio companies that we have in Japan called JPYC, which is the first legalized uh, stable coin in Japan, which is uh, invested both by us and Circle, which is the issue of USDC. Today, JPYC is licensed under this prepaid payment instruments. Just like uh, Leo said, it's not probably fully capable of everything people may want to do. What you can do under that license today is you can basically buy things with JPYC, but you cannot really use it as a way to, say, make payments between companies for business payment. So that actually touches on the second category of stable coins in Japan, which is basically closer to the idea of e-money and it's governed under electronic payment legislation. So that is actually a tougher category, requires subset of banking license to do so. And currently there's no stable coins issued under that category. And uh, of course, our portfolio JPYC is looking at moving to that category uh, in a few years, but it has tougher requirements. So then what happens in, in things like Luna or other uh, non-currency-backed algo coins? So in Japan, actually, cryptocurrencies listing is restricted. So only centrally approved coins can list. And there is no stable coins listed in Japan's exchanges, except for one. DAI is actually listed. And it's allowed because it is not backed by actual dollar. So as far as Japan's concerned, it is same category as Ethereum and Bitcoin. And it's the only one that's allowed. So 
Currently, there's no regulations in Japan to allow, say, listing of things like USDC in the Japanese crypto exchanges. That is also surprising to me in some sense because where people have been burned most critically in the last little while is from a lot of those other cryptocurrencies, not the stablecoin, other than Luna, because the stablecoins are still to at least USDC or whatever the other ones are mostly backed by currency. Right. So we've been talking around the subject over and over again, but you know, maybe for listeners that are not quite as clear on what exactly a stablecoin is, maybe we can just start with a definition of that. And Leo, at some point, jump in with exactly what your MyCoins stablecoin is is and what the purpose of it is. So depending on how you cut it, there are three or four different kinds of stable coins. Um, the one that we're talking is called fiat backed. So that means it's backed by actual currency. You also have commodity backed stable coins that are, might be backed by gold or silver or something else like that. You have so-called algorithm backed stable coins. And that's what Luna was. I wouldn't say that is classified as a stable coin, but I don't think it really should be. Because in fact, because it wasn't stable, <laughs> and, and it uses an algorithm, it uses a mathematical algorithm that tries to mimic the U.S. dollar. In that case, there's nothing really backing it, so it's kind of a misnomer uh, in that sense. It was supposed to be stable, but it's not backed by anything at all. So if you look at those types, the one that we're talking about is the fiat-backed stablecoin. And in the case of the ones that have happened in the U.S., stablecoin, USDC, it's backed mostly by cash, but they also have commercial paper and that kind of thing. What we were trying to do in Taiwan was completely backed, one-to-one backed by the Taiwan dollar. So there's no chance that we wouldn't have enough. So every time a client gives us their one NT dollar, we were going to put it into a local bank guaranteed account. It's not in MyCoin's name. It's in, held in trust for that individual. And when they want that back, or the token holder, I should say, and when that token is redeemed, it goes back to the person. So there's no mismatch between the number of tokens issued and the dollars that we keep. It's one-to-one. And in that sense, it would have been, or it will be, the most safe stablecoin of any country, I think. In my view, there's a multiple variety of stablecoins, but I think for the purpose of this argument, I think, yeah, the important one is if your stablecoin can be redeemed one-to-one with the fiat currency, then I think that's what we generally call stablecoin. And then anything else is mostly some variation of algo coin where there is actually no guarantee of one-to-one redeemability. And, but there's also another concept. This is actually important. Whether your stable coin exists on public chain or private chain. Now, USDC, Tether, and JPYC, and hopefully TWDC, these all exist in public chain. That's very important because then you can be used openly with different things. Whereas if you talk about eRMB and other probably central government-issued stablecoins are done in the private chain. So it's basically stuck in its own ecosystem. And uh, we believe the future uh, of commerce and future of this whole stablecoin ecosystem is all around public chain. So Japan actually has initiative to issue stablecoins on the private chain among banking consortium. They've been talking about this for about five years now. It hasn't been even issued yet. And uh, I don't think there is as much private sector needs for it unless it can be forced upon a population like China's RMB. And you have that in Taiwan too. The central bank is also looking at doing that and is moving in that direction as well. But again, that difference is very critical. The one other thing I just want to add is a tidbit. When I say we're one-to-one backed, that's even more conservative than a bank because when you give the bank your $1, they're not required to keep 100% of that in cash either. So we're even more conservative than the banks. Then 
what is the purpose of it? How do you, you're not making money off of this, right? The primary goal is not to make money off this. The primary goal is to create an ecosystem. Anyone who's been to the banks in Taiwan knows that our banking system is very traditional, and that's perhaps a polite word, but if you know all the word, all the papers, I often wonder, where does all this paper go? You fill out a form with anything you try to do here. All this paperwork is generated. It's cumbersome, it's slow, and it's expensive. If you were to introduce a Taiwan dollar stablecoin, so many more possibilities open up. And to me, as I said in the beginning, this is inevitable. For once, I want Taiwan to be on the cutting edge. We take the back seat so often. We have so many good ideas. We have so many good initiatives. Uh, as Akio said, we have so much brain power here. But because we're so conservative and so afraid, we block ourselves too often. So my hope is that this is Taiwan taking the lead in an area that it really should. We're such a tech-based economy. I mean, it does seem very forward-thinking to me. One of the things that does concern me, though, is something that Akio brought up a couple of times, which is mobile payment systems. Like, not that many people here use them, but I see them catching on. People in line in front of me at the 7-Eleven are using Line Pay, they're using Apple Pay, what have you. So a lot of these, they offer additional perks like discounts on products and services. And these are benefits that are pretty popular in the Taiwanese market. So how would adopting MyCoin stablecoin or any other practical use fiat-backed digital currency be a more attractive option than, let's just say, an, an e-payment platform? So then let me add a couple of thoughts because this is actually my uh, favorite topic. So one of the problem, I think, because we also invested in this electronic payment platforms in China previously. Now, one of the things I think is missing in most countries outside of China. So this is that one area, I must say, China has done the right thing. So when they introduced new forms of payment like WeChat Pay and Alipay, and generally speaking, a lot of those QR code linked payment systems, one of the good innovations that I see in China is that they lowered transaction fees, not for consumers, but for merchants. So in Japan, for example, they have introduced QR code payment decade later after China, but there is no innovation on the merchant side and uh, because it's still linked to traditional credit cards and the credit cards take, you know, in Japan, 3% and plus charges. And also the cashing cycle is longer. In Japan, if you get your credit card payment settled as a merchant in two weeks, it's considered fast. But majority of them, they have to wait more than a month. Now, what's happening in China is that um, their fee was like often like zero point some percentage, like less than one percent. And for the uh, portfolio we had, the default settlement was T plus one. So if people spend money at your shop today, you get the cash next day. And they even launched a service for a small service fee. You get T plus zero. So same day settlement. Now, that's, I think, still missing in places like Taiwan and Japan. So a lot of those new forms of payments is now popular from the consumer's point. But merchants don't want to adopt it because there's no benefit for them. So one of the, I think, the areas potentially stablecoin can actually help in this regard is that it could drastically reduce settlement fee because we don't have to rely on a lot of, lot of old infrastructure and also a lot of old ecosystem. There are basically existing gatekeepers who benefit from a lot of things going through their decade-old infrastructure because there's a toll gate in every step of the way. Whereas I think with something like TWDC, there's an opportunity to innovate on that. And obviously, it's going to offend some people because if I'm existing toll gate operators, I don't want this new thing. To me, there's also another benefit. And coming from my traditional background, this is really where it ties in. I see young people, particularly in Taiwan, but in many other countries, not saving enough. They don't have a saving culture. And what I would like to see is the TWDC become a tool for that. So you buy your cup of coffee and you put in your setting that you spin off that extra change. Just a few cents 
for the coffee, a few cents for every expenditure you make, and that goes into some investment. Perhaps something you agree with strongly, whether it's solar or renewable energy or carbon credits, whatever it might be, but you take that little bit of money. Because the problem in Taiwan is if you go to a bank now, you want to buy a mutual fund. In most banks, it's $1,000 minimum spent. If you only make 20,000 bucks, that's a lot of money. So if you can find a way to just take that little extra change, first of all, I think you'll get to 1,000 very easily. You won't even feel it. But you start to develop a saving and investing culture amongst young people. And I think that cryptocurrency is uniquely well-suited to develop that mindset. And we really need that in Taiwan. So I'm curious, when TWDC is launched, is there going to be like an app that people use? Is it going to be like an e-payment system? How is it going to work? Yeah, well, you'll be able to use it on, first of all, on MyCoins Exchange. But as other people add to it, we want to create a whole ecosystem. So when we put together the concept of TWDC, MyCoin could have done it itself. We could have done it a year ago, over a year ago. We could have done it by ourselves. But that was never the idea. We always wanted to bring in a consortium of people who are going to use it. So we have Headline there with their Japan stablecoin. They have a lot of experience in this area. We can look at ways to make those two currencies exchangeable. We have a major local bank involved that is very uh, powerful in the online payment space. We have a major credit card company involved. We have another uh, online payment platform that is also interested in getting involved. So we have a consortium of companies that are going to be using this day one. And these are heavy hitting companies. I can't mention the names, but these are serious companies. And each of them are going to find ways to use TWDC for their clients. And that's what I said, create an ecosystem. These companies are going to be the first ones to create this ecosystem. So, I mean, you said day one. Do you have any idea of when TWDC is going to be launched? Day one was supposed to be end of September. Uh, however, we're working with the regulator. They, in the last minutes, had some concerns about it, and that's fine. So we're just working through that with them, explaining it again, explaining how we're doing it, addressing their concerns. Uh, like all regulators, uh, there's concern. And so I think the regulator in the last second saw that we were really ready to go because we've been talking to them over a year about this. And the minute you get to the stage where it's really ready to go, the regulator goes, oh, wait a minute, have we really looked at all of this? And I think that's what they're doing now, checking to make sure that we're doing it in a responsible way. So the launch date now, pending, coming soon, I hope, was supposed to have happened, but uh, that's the way it goes in life. And we really want the regulator to be comfortable. Well, and then once past this regulatory hurdle, this might be a dangerous question to ask, but do you have any predictions on how long it might take before the TWDC is, is widely adopted in Taiwan in the same way that like a line pay would be? Because we have this group, this consortium, there will be instant use cases the minute it launches. So we expect in the first number of months to be in the tens of millions of dollars quite easily. In terms of how far it's adopted in the greater population, that remains to be seen. I and mean, right now is a difficult time for anything crypto related. Thanks to some of the bad things that have happened, Stablecoin has a bit of a bad rap right now. But those companies that weather through the storm, like MyCoin and other ones that are doing things in the correct way and headline, of course, they're going to be stronger for it. So I'm sure once we get back to better times in the economy generally, it'll grow very quickly. So I just want to finish off our conversation by asking both of you, 
you know, about some of your own thoughts, you know, besides stablecoin, what are your own thoughts or insights on where crypto is headed, particularly in Asia and more specifically in Taiwan? You know, what should investors, enthusiasts, or just anyone with an interest in the cryptoverse be on the lookout for in the next one to two years? So we have been investing very heavily into this space. So in the last 12 months, uh, our crypto fund has invested in over 180 projects and about 60% of them in Asia and the rest we throughout the rest of the world. So we have seen a lot. And uh, we also are not investing alone. There's other VCs that are very much focused in this space. And what we have seen is this. Obviously, right now, if you just look at, you know, price of Bitcoin, you know, we are not in the bull market anymore. <laughs> a lot of people say we have entered the winter and uh, perhaps we have. But what has happened was that the uh, last crypto boom we have seen was actually mostly funded by a project that got started in 2018, 2019 from the first cycle. Now, during that time, there weren't that many crypto VCs. In fact, very little money compared to what was being invested today was invested back then. But that was already strong enough to produce the boom we had in 2020 with lots of new innovations. Also, the current generation of stable coins came out of that cycle. But this cycle, we are seeing far greater amount of uh, VC money coming into this space, even during this winter period. And so what we are actually expecting is that, of course, a lot of those projects take time to develop. And probably many of them won't launch until next year, even further down the road. So what we're actually seeing is this massive collective investment globally, and which also includes uh, some of the startups in Taiwan, and people are building things. And what I like about the current winter period is that uh, scammy people disappear because when they can't make quick money, they leave. But whoever is still actually digging in and building are real pioneers and enthusiasts and uh, uh, developers who have technical vision. And we believe this will actually produce even bigger wave of the next crypto boom and maybe coming sometime in a year or two. And uh, so, so from that perspective, I'm very excited. And I, in fact, it's probably the best time for TWDC to be actually getting also started as well. Not during the boom, but before the boom. That's a pretty optimistic. Leo, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, the winters definitely kills off the weak or the scummy one. And I think that has to happen because there was so much wrong with it. It was the Wild West. I mean, people just using it as a way to get rich without really contemplating things. I think one of the areas that I'm interested in watching a lot is the non-fungible tokens. I think a lot of that was also scam. But the stuff that remains and the stuff that continues, NFTs of artwork, uh, NFT of valuable things, I think there's real potential there. So that area will also revolutionize the world. In terms of which areas to watch, I would say that, and the interaction between stablecoins and the NFT world is also critical, right? It'll facilitate payment. If people sell stuff, if people buy stuff, it makes that whole ecosystem more complete. So those are the areas I'm most excited about. And I hope that we can help work with the regulator to get them comfortable. Because I think as the laws catch up, again, the companies that are doing things properly don't have a problem with that. And it will just help to give more protection to investors, make investors more comfortable. So I'm fine with that. So giving the regulators a little more time during this winter period to catch up and address some of the issues to me is a good thing. All right. Well, lots to look forward to. Akio, Leo, I really want to thank you again for sharing your insights on cryptocurrency, stablecoins, and the TWDC. I'm sure many of our listeners will be closely following the progress of Taiwan's crypto ecosystem in the coming year. It was a real pleasure speaking with both of you and hope we have the chance to catch up again soon. Hopefully at that point, I'll be able to buy you both a beer with my TWDC wallet. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in again this week. We'll see you on the next episode of Startup Island Taiwan. 